So we're studying the book of Romans. We've done our intro and we've studied many topics already. Really, every book, of, every book in the book of Romans is going to turn out to be just a, a, a big wow factor. Yeah. Every book in Romans is like, wow. It's just so foundational for our Christianity. One of the most important foundational letters, books of the Bible of all, because it explains everything we need to have a solid Christian life. All right? So uh, not, chapter 4 and chapter 5 is what we're going to do tonight, and it's no different. Just some fantastic things in here that will help your life. All right? So are you ready? Yeah. Book of Romans, chapter 4. We've read all of it, but we're going to study now verse uh, 17. No, start with verse 16. Romans 4, 16. Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace, that the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who's the father of us all. Abraham and his faith is why we're here today. Because a human believed God properly, we now can all enter into the kingdom by faith. Verse 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations, many different peoples, in the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls things which do not exist as though they did. Who, talking about Abraham, contrary to hope, in hope believed so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. So we're going to go read Genesis now to find out what we're talking about. So Paul, by the Spirit, is uh, recounting some things and then explaining them that happened in the book of Genesis with Abraham. So go to the book of Genesis chapter 12, and we'll get a little picture of what was actually said to Abram in the first place and how his, his name was changed to Abraham because of this promise made. Genesis chapter 12. Verse 1, now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you, and I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you, make your name great. You'll be a blessing. And I'll bless those who bless you, and I'll curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was, Abram was 75 years old when he was told this. All right, so 75 years old, that's the first time the Lord spoke to him. Now go to Genesis chapter 15. After these things, the word of the, verse 1, after these things, the, Lord, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram, I'm your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me? Saying, I go childless and the heir of my, my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Genesis 15, verse 1, 2 now. Verse 3 now. I know I said Genesis 15. I did. Then Abram said, look, you've, I don't want to get, lose any points, okay? <laughs> then Abram says, look, you've given me no offspring. Indeed, one, one born. So here, Abram's talking to God saying, you didn't give me any offspring. What do you mean I'm going to be the father of what? You know? And uh, he said, indeed, one born in my house is my heir. That's how they distributed inheritance was whoever's the first male in the house gets it. Verse 4, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And then he brought him outside, said, look toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said, so shall your descendants be. King James says, so shall your seed be. <clears throat> now skip down to chapter 17, uh, 16, chapter 16. Now in the meantime here, because Abraham or Abram has no child, uh, and Sarah's kind of old, he's old, he comes up with a plan. Really, as Sarah came up with a plan, it's like, wait a second, God promised us something and it's being delayed. Somewhere in, in around 13 years being delayed here. So why don't you just go make a baby with my servant, Hagar? Sarah gives that bright idea to Abraham and Abraham uh, does it. What is wrong with men? What is wrong with Hagar? I mean, what is, what is wrong with Sarah? What is wrong with this picture? What a stupid idea. What a stupid idea. <clears throat> and they had a baby. 
Abraham and Hagar had a baby named Ishmael. And there's a whole story here in chapter 16, but uh, Hagar and Ishmael were cast out of the family because they made fun of Sarah. And then God speaks to Hagar and gives a blessing because her child is a seed of Abraham. Verse 10, chapter 16, verse 10, then the angel of the Lord said to her, I'll multiply your descendants exceedingly so they'll be counted for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you're with child and you'll bear a son and you'll call his name Ishmael because the Lord has heard your affliction. He'll be a wild man and his hand will be against every man and every man's hand against him. And he'll dwell in the presence of all his brethren. So this is Hagar uh, having a baby. Ishmael is his name. And that's where all the Arab nations come from. Ishmael. And so this promise uh, to Ishmael or to Hagar was because Abraham was loved by God. So Abraham's son, even though it was not the son promised for the inheritance, it was still a son of Abraham. So God said, I will still bless him and he'll, he'll have multitudes in this nation, uh, but he's going to be wild and he's going to be against every man and every man's going to be against him. So here you have uh, a promise that seems like, oh, that's pretty rough. And he's going to dwell in the presence of his brethren, meaning the Arabs and the Jews have always dwelt near each other. And it also refers to the fact that uh, the Arab nations are pretty much against everybody. Their religion and their animosity toward the world has, has really birthed most of the terrorism we see today. It's amazing this promise is coming to pass just like God said. Not that we're rejoicing in that, but it does clarify some things. What is the problem with the Middle East? That's the problem. How did it start? It started because Abraham and Sarah had a bright idea. How many of your bright ideas have ended in destruction? We can say it this way. The promise is of the Spirit from heaven. The promise is not Ishmael, it was Isaac. It was the son from Sarah, that was the promise. So if you'll follow the will of God, then you'll birth promises of God. But if you get in the flesh and decide, I'm going to do it my way, God's taken forever, I can't really trust it, uh, it's easier to do. If you go the flesh route, if you go the carnal route, then you're going to create an Ishmael in your life. And then you're going to have trouble in your life. Anybody had any trouble in your life? If you're led by your flesh, if you make carnal decisions, you'll create trouble in your life. That's really the analogy that we can pull from this. You want to live by promise. You want to live by the spirit. You want to live by God's will. And you'll save yourself a lot of sorrow. Verse 16, Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. Verse 1 of 17, when Abram was 99 years old, there's a 13-year gap there. So Ishmael was 13 years old at the time of this. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I'm Almighty God, walk before me and be blameless, and I'll make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, my, my covenant is with you, and you'll be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but you'll be called Abraham, for I've made you a father of many nations. So the word Abram means exalted father. Slight alteration. God changed his name to father of many nations. You'll see why it might be important. Sometimes God needs to tell you something, just a slight change so that you can believe differently, see yourself differently. Then Abram fell on his face. God talked to him. Verse 4, as for me, my, behold, my covenant is with you, and you'll be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram. Your name will be called Abraham. I've made you a father of many nations. I'll make you exceedingly fruitful. I'll make nations of you, and kings will come from you. And I'll establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. Praise the Lord. Uh, <clears throat> Let's look at Genesis chapter 21. So remember, he was 99 when God changed his name. 
The Lord visited, chapter 21, verse 1, the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had spoken. Sarah conceived and bore Abram a son and his, Abraham a son in his old age. Verse 5, now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. So he was 99 when he got this new name change. He was 100 when Isaac was born. So somewhere around the three-month range, they, had, they got pregnant. Make sense? So somewhere between three months and maybe six to nine months, Abraham was having to tell everybody his new name. He comes out of the tent from praying with God and he says, hey, everybody, I got a new name. Oh, you got a new name. I don't know, I got a new name. Just want you to know I'm the father of many nations. And so he had to tell people, he had to think of himself. And I don't know how long it took exactly, but he did have to go through a process of thinking of himself as a father of many nations. Before that, he already had gone through the laughing stage. God told him the first time and he laughed, told Sarah and she laughed. She laughed and it says the angel rebuked her. Abraham laughed and didn't get rebuked. Something was different in their heart. That's all you can really tell. But neither one of them could really grasp it at first. But Abraham did believe it. Apparently Sarah didn't believe it. But Abraham did believe it. It's very important to believe the promise of God. And this is where you find uh, that believing God is how we obtain righteousness and right standing with God. Go back to chapter 15, verse 5. I don't think I emphasize this. Verse 6, Genesis 15, 6, and he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Okay. Now that phrase right there is what Paul's going to use in the book of Romans. Abraham believed God and God counted that as enough to make you right with me. Like, can I come in? I don't know. What's the password? I believe. Okay, come on in. It's like, Righteousness allows you entrance to be accepted by God. Believing God is what causes him to accept you. Now, it's not just believing God for anything right now. The first step for all Christians, the first step for all people is to believe in Jesus as Savior. Once you believe in Jesus, God accounts it to you for righteousness. All right, let's go back to Romans. Like, man, that's a lot of words. Yep, there's going to be more as well. Can't you skip? Can't you skip some? No, y'all skip it at your own house. Enough. This is a night where we're not skipping so that you can grow. All right, so take a deep breath. Verse 18, so Abraham, contrary to hope, in hope believed, so he became the father of many nations. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform, and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. Stop there. So what's the picture? The picture is God gave a promise to an old man and an old woman who were really past the time of childbearing, and he promised them they were going to have a child, and so they had to trust him, and they had to go, and it actually took from 75 years old to 100, 25 years. They're already past the age. It took them 25 more years. I, I see a couple of the older Married couples are saying, don't get any ideas, mister. <laughs> that 25 years, they had to hang on to that promise. Well, you're going to have to hang on to a promise, maybe not 25 years, but until it happens. That's one of the secrets to having a promise from God happen for you is you've got to hang on to it until it happens. Now, if you're about to die, you can't wait 25 years. So we're not putting a time limit on things, uh, but you're going to have to hang on to God until you get that promise. Now, if you recall, we already read through it. Uh, They they probably delayed that promise coming to pass. 
They probably delayed it by figuring it out themselves. Hey, let's try it a different way and just go to my handmaid. I mean, I don't know what that was all about. There's probably all sorts of psychological conflicts they were dealing with for a number of months and years to come up with that brilliant idea. But we do the same thing, don't we? Humans get very rational and very mindful of everything, and they miss the promise of God or delay the promise of God. And God just sits there waiting. God's a good checkers player. If it's your move, he's not moving. He's waiting. If you're supposed to make a certain move, he's not going to make a move till you make that move. We think we just go move it ourselves. Now he's waiting for you to make the proper move, then he'll move. So if you're, if you're thinking God's taking a long time, it's, it's you. He will move when you move. When you believe, he will move. You make your faith effort, he'll make his move. So don't think you're waiting on God. You ever played a game like that and time goes by and you're like, Who, whose turn is it? If you're thinking that with God, it's your turn. <clears throat> so verse 18, who contrary to hope, in hope believed. King James says, against hope, believed in hope. Against hope or contrary to hope, or we could say against natural hope, uh, he had hope. We could say instead of having natural hope or contrary to natural hope, which said there's no way for you to have a baby, he had hope in God. Uh, it actually, when it says against hope, meaning beyond natural hope, he had hope that God's promise could come to pass. All your miracles are going to require that of you. All your miracles will require you to believe beyond what is possible. Really, beyond what is seen and natural, you're going to have to believe beyond that. And so when we say have hope, we're not talking about natural American hope. We're not talking about just natural human hope, which is very flip of the coin type hope. We're not talking about just, well, I sure hope so. You think it'll happen? Well, I sure hope so. You think the Astros are going to win? I sure hope so. When it comes to natural things like that, that's all you got is natural hope. We're talking about Bible hope, spiritual hope, hope right. that comes from God. Right. We could say the hope that comes from the God of hope. Yeah. Right. Now, that's the hope that brings promises of God to pass. So you need that type of hope based on his word. Right. Once you hear a word from God, what word did Abraham hear? hear? You're going to be the father of many nations. He believed in that hope. That was a destiny. That was a future. He believed that. You find other promises for yourself that are already written for you. Lots of promises. Peace and safety. He'll protect you. Those are promises of God. He'll heal you. He'll deliver you. He'll provide for you. Those are promises of God that should give you hope beyond the economy, beyond your natural ability, beyond whatever struggle you're going through, you need a, a defined hope from God's word or a spoken hope to your spirit from his spirit. Amen. Maybe it's a legal trouble. Well, you can find a few legal scriptures in the Bible that he'll deliver you and help you, but you could also hear from God on some matter that's not necessarily written. And he says, do not worry, I'll deliver you. Right. Ha! And you can walk into the courtroom with your head held high. That's hope. You need hope from God, and it comes from knowing something, something established by God. The word hope is uh, the Greek word elpis. It means to anticipate an outcome, usually with pleasure. So if you have true hope, spiritual hope, you're not going to be sad and worried. Well, I don't know. I, I sure hope. I sure hope so. Uh, what you have is natural hope, and I can't promise you anything. Another definition would be uh, an expectation with an outstretched neck. Like I'm excited about. I, I'm really, re I, I, I'm getting it. I, I can't wait. Kids running down the stairs or running into the room on Christmas morning. That's hope. 
They're hoping they got some very generous parents. I mean, I mean, san, 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 parents. I mean, yes. Contrary to natural hope, which said you're too wrinkled, he believed in hope, God's promise, that he would be the father of many nations. Verse 19, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. Hope will allow you to not consider the circumstance, okay? He did not consider his own body. The Bible says hope is the anchor of the soul. Hebrews 6, hope, the anchor of the soul. It keeps your soul grounded so that you're not moved by the emotion of the day, the circumstance of the day, or the attitude of the day. Uh, hope keeps you grounded. You're not, you're not detoured. You're not shoved around by all the variations of things that happen. Romans 15 says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Ghost. I mean, hope is, a, hope is a factor in your life that without it, you will not succeed. Amen. There's a threefold uh, system in this invisible world called faith, hope, and love. And they pretty much drive everything in the kingdom of God. It's like the generator of the whole kingdom of God, faith, hope, and love. You're going to have to get familiar with each of those. You're going to need each of those. Hope Amen. is an extremely powerful force that without it, you won't have the juice to make it. It's different than faith. Hope is the destiny you're wanting. Faith is the belief you can get there. You need both of those. Both together will work. Faith and hope and then love, they go together, they work together to bring the end to pass. So we can say hope is your desired prayer request. Faith is the belief that God will bring it to pass. Once you get a hope, you're supposed to believe God, trust God, rely on God to bring it to pass. <clears throat> so you have to assess your own life. If, you're, if God's going to be involved in your life, for every bad report, do you have a hope against it? You ever got a bad report? Anything, anything a little off? Ahead of your direction, you need hope against it. Against that hope, you need Bible hope. You need some hope from God against every bad report that might come. I'd say go ahead and prepare yourself ahead of time. Like what if the postman knocked at the door? Okay, excuse me. The Amazon knocked at the door, <laughs> dropped the box off, pushed your ring and you, you go out there and grab it, and inside the box you hear something moving. And you hear a rattle. Sounds like a snake hissing. That's bad. You better give that box back. Don't be accepting the bad news. Don't accept the report. Have some confidence. Have against that box. Believe that, you know what, I don't have to have this. I'm sending this back. I believe you're going to accept return on this. You return all your, your, your messed up clothes, ship the box of snakes. When the devil knocks with some bad report, you better have a hope against that. I, I'm a, no, 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 no. I've got a promise of God. I'm not accepting this natural defeat. No way. So you just keep your box of snakes. The problem is Christians without hope, Christians who don't know their Bible, good people don't know their Bible. Innocent, seeming, sweet, sweet, little old men. You would think nothing bad should ever happen to these sweet people. No, if you don't have hope, it will happen. If you don't have godly hope against natural bad reports, you're going to have bad stuff happen. You're going to have to have something to fight with. You're going to have to have a, a, a spiritual destiny in your soul that can anchor you until the promise comes to pass. So don't think that it's all just accidental. Faith, hope, and love are very important facets of our lives. 
for every you know, bad circumstance you're in, every bad relationship that you're in, every uh, marriage that needs help. Do you have any hope? Well, I just don't, I don't have any hope. I'm not talking about you coming up with your own hope. I'm talking about you getting some Bible hope. Why don't you start, instead of hoping how your spouse is going to be different, why don't you hope how you're going to be different? Why don't you start getting a vision for you being the most godly spouse in the whole United States? Get a vision, get a hope for yourself being godly. Most troubled marriages, each one is hoping the other changes. Good luck with that. Let's just admit it. They're never going to change. You just heard the wind just go out of the whole, the whole room. They're never going to change. Never, they're never going to change. You can change. You need a hope for yourself to please God. You need to start being the most godly spouse that God ever made. Because you're going to stand before him and you're going to answer for how good did you do as a spouse. See, you got to get realistic here. You need some Bible in you so you can have a right hope. People hoping for Hollywood-type marriages. I mean, screened, Hollywood screened type marriage. Fake stuff. Okay, verse 19, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead. Since he was about 100 years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not consider his own body. That means to consider attentively, to fix your eyes and mind upon. He didn't consider the mirror. We, we say a lot, you know, if you want a miracle, break the mirror. That means stop looking at your bank account. Stop looking at the lack bucket. Stop looking at your sickness. Stop looking at what's wrong. Stop reading the bad report. Amen. Listen, it only takes about 24 hours for you to get full of a medical report. Some medical diagnosis, within 24 hours, man, you can regurgitate the most complex terminologies and biological problems that you have or that your family. I mean, it is amazing how quickly people can go from spiritual trust in God all the way to more faith in this stuff that you could, you had no clue of 24 hours ago. I'm telling you, that, that thing is an enemy to your hope. Amen. That is natural hope. You're going to have to believe against that hope. So why would you want to fill your heart and mind with every single detail? Now listen, if you don't have spiritual hope, you're going to have to go the natural route. If you don't have a spiritual hope against it, follow the advice. Do what you got to do. But just recognize if you're going to do it Abraham's way, you're going to have to believe God. Amen. You're going to have to, against hope, stop looking in the mirror. Not consider the mirror. Not consider what's really there, even though it's there. You just can't consider it. We're not talking about denying that it's there. I mean, if your nose fell off, my nose didn't fall off. No, your nose is off. <laughs> We're not talking about you being silly. We're not talking about you denying that you got a problem. We're talking about you having a hope against that problem. So we're not saying I'm not sick and you're about to fall over. No, don't do it like that. Rather than say I'm not sick, say, say I, by stripes I am healed. I am healed. I'm the father of many nations, even though it doesn't look like I'm the father of many. Why are you saying that? You're not a father of anything because I'm not considering that. I'm saying what, I, what the hope is. So that's how you turn it positive rather than just sound kind of nutty. I mean, you're going to sound nutty anyway. <laughs> Quoting scripture in the face of adversity is kind of nutty. Paul shaking the viper off in the face of poison is kind of nutty. But if you have a hope against natural hope, you can do those things. So contrary to hope, uh, verse 19, being not weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he's about 100 years old, the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. You ever done that before? You ever waver at the promise of God through unbelief? Abraham didn't. Of course you have. 
I have. Wavered at the promise of God through them. Makes you mad, doesn't it? it? It should make you mad. When you see yourself wavering at the promise of God, you better buckle up. You better pull your pants up and go to prayer. If you find yourself wavering, the King James says stagger, did not stagger at the promise of God. It means to have two opinions. It means to not be able to decide. That's all it means. If you see that you can't decide between the promise of God and what natural means uh, or natural hope says, you, you better run, you better go get with God. If you can't decide if you're going to have godly hope, you better go back to God. If you're a little unsure, if you're wavering at the promise, you better go run to God. Amen. You better go get yourself some faith. Amen. He was strong in faith, giving glory to God. He was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. So you better go get strong in faith. If you find yourself wavering and unsure about something good coming to pass for, for you, you better go get with God. Go get some faith. How do you do that? This is how you do it. See what this is? This, when I say go to God, you go here. And you go pray in tongues. Tongues and Bible is how you get to God. Tongues and Bible is how you connect with the person of God. Tongues and Bible is, we can say prayer and Bible, but many times when you say prayer, people don't understand. They think more requesting. No, prayer right. and word is how you meet the person of God. Amen. You go get quiet. You read some Bible. Lord, tell me about this. Can I really have this? Can I really have that? I need this. Holy Spirit, help me believe this. Help me believe this. Holy Spirit, help me believe this. And you pray in tongues and you pray in tongues. Okay, Holy Spirit, am I there yet? Holy Spirit, I need to, I need to believe this in spite of my problem. Deliver me from fear right now. Amen. Holy Spirit, help me right now. Save me from destruction. Are you going to save me, God? You said you'd save me. You said you'd help me. Are you going to help me? I need you to help me right now. When I leave this prayer time with you, God, I know. I've got to know. I've got to... I'm talking to God. I'm, I'm working it out. I'm, I'm getting some faith. I'm having conversation. Right. And then the Holy Spirit might say, read the next page. Oh, what's on the next page? When you hear from God, it's going to give you faith. Right. You need to be able to hear something sometimes from God. Amen. Or maybe you'll just read it and it'll leap off the page into your heart and you'll feel it. And you can come out like a king to reign in life. Glory to God. Look what God just told me. Somebody said, well, he, he spoke to you? Yeah, right here. No, no, no. Did you hear his voice? Yeah, right here. I heard that. Amen. What do you mean you heard that? Was it loud? I didn't hear it. No, right here. He just spoke to me. See, the word can speak to you if you let Amen. it. So don't run around all frantic trying to pray and get everybody in the whole world to pray for you. Now, if you, if you want prayer, be very, very specific. Make your email request or phone request very, very faith-filled. Meaning, I'm going to notify Houston Faith Church prayer team. I have a request from God I need a little help on. And when they pray, that's it. Be serious about your prayer request. Don't be so wishy-washy and so weak. He was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Make your, believe God strongly. I mean, are we putting you down if you're weak? I hope you don't feel that way. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, like a coach, I'm trying to help you feel some confidence. This is what it feels like. Don't look at yourself and say, well, I'm just so weak. I don't know why he's acting like I'm supposed to be strong. Abraham's our example. You've got to be strong in faith. Be strong in faith. Make your prayer request with faith in it. Listen, I'm all for prayer requests. I'm all for call the phone number for prayer, you know. Uh, I remember one time early in my walk, I, I was in a desperate place of needing to, to know some things about my future. 
And I, I remember I wrote two prayer requests. I wrote one to Rama Bible Training Center, Kenneth Hagin Ministry, and I wrote one to Pat Robertson. And, and, I, and I could almost, if I, if I tried, I could put together what I, what I requested, but I needed some direction. I needed God to give me direction. Apparently it worked. But I, I remember soon thereafter, some things began to be enlightened to me. So it's okay to make prayer requests. Sometimes you're in a place where you need help. You don't know who to go to and when to go to them. Okay, that's, you know, e each stage of your Christianity and each, each stage of your serving God has its own place. You understand? So there's an aspect of your Christianity where you're out there helping others get saved. You need to do that. And you're getting people delivered out there. You need to do that. Then there's also the aspect of you being in church serving people here. Anytime we're here. That's an aspect of your life. And then there's an aspect of you sitting and learning at church. That's a very important aspect. Then there's other aspects of your Christianity. They're all important. You understand? Same thing with each stage of your walk with God. You'll find that you, uh, you need it all, basically. You need it all. So don't get stuck in a rut. Make sure that you're growing with God, being led by His Spirit, so that you're not wavering at the promise of God. All right. He was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully convinced, King James says fully, verse 21, fully persuaded that what He had promised, He was also able to perform. Uh, do you understand what fully convinced means? It means you're fully convinced. Have you ever been fully convinced about a promise of God? Have you ever been fully convinced that your friend who said they were coming over is coming over? When you were fully convinced that they were coming, what would you do? Clean your house. Better order some food. You're preparing because you're fully convinced they're coming. Now, if your friend, you know, doesn't always uh, honor their word, you're like at the last minute texting, are you still coming? Amen. But with God, he's coming. Amen. If you're fully convinced, you'll be ready for it. If you believe God's going to heal you, you'll be fully ready for it. Make sense? If you believe God's going to answer your prayer for finances or whatever, you, you're, if you need a job, let's say, if you need a job. And you've asked God for a job, and you believed God, and He's going to provide. You got to have a job to live, so you got to be working somehow. Right. Then that means you get up and you uh, take a shower and you get ready. Eight thirty in the morning, eight o'clock, eight thirty-nine. At some point, you need to be ready. Don't be pajamaing it all day. That means you don't believe God. Oh, I'm looking for a job online. Get your clothes on. Take a step of faith. Get your clothes on. Look for a job at least four hours a day. And then for the other four hours of the day, what are you going to do? Why don't you go to church and, and volunteer? Why don't you go win a soul? Why don't you go do something good for somebody? Don't just lay around watching daytime TV. That's a person that doesn't believe God. That's a person that's not really acting on their faith. They don't have much hope. They're just being lazy. It's going over real big tonight. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful evening. It's a wonderful evening. Pajama people. Aren't expecting much. In the old day, in the old day, people didn't just stay all day in their pajamas. 30, 40, 50 years ago, nobody stayed in their pajamas all day long. Why? Because company might come over. It's true. In the old day, my, my grandparents, man, they got up, acted like they're, they're busy every day, doing something important every day. What, what were they doing? I mean, in retirement years. Well, what were they doing that was so important? They were ready for, for company. Got to make some coffee. Company's coming. Every day, company's coming. Well, I got to get ready. Some company might come. What does that mean? That means I got to hope that I get to have some fellowship. Abraham, get us out of chapter 4 if you could, please. <laughs> Being fully convinced of what he had promised, he was able to perform. Praise the Lord. All right. 
Verse 22, and therefore it was counted to him for righteousness. Now, it wasn't written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but it was written for us. What? This whole story for Abraham was not written just for him. It was for us. Many times Christians think that it, it, this is all old stuff. Like these are just old fashioned people that did some religious things with God. No, no, it was written for you. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Praise the Lord. He was delivered because of our offenses, raised because of our just, or for our righteousness. Hallelujah. Chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Made righteous or justified. Same thing. Justified by faith, we therefore have peace with God, which is very important for your life. You need peace with God, right? Remember the angels when Jesus was born? Glory to God in the highest. On earth, peace. Remember that? Goodwill toward men. Peace from God because of Jesus Christ. Every human needs it. Those who believe in Jesus get it. And we're talking about two sides to peace. One is justifying peace. Peace that makes you right with God. You need that legally in order to be accepted by God and go to heaven. Legally, you need to be justified by faith so that you are counted righteous. That you have a legal standing with God. Then there's sanctifying peace, which is the peace in your heart, which is a work of the Holy Spirit that allows you to have safety, comfort, strength, confidence, glory, joy. All of that comes from sanctifying peace. Once you believe in Jesus, I have peace in my heart. Psalm 85.10, we've quoted it recently, but mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Righteousness and peace have kissed. When you get right with God, you'll have peace. Those who aren't right with God have no peace. They live a very anxious life, a fretful, chaotic life. But those who are right with God have peace. It's a wonderful feeling. It's a wonderful feeling where you're no longer... Uh, trying to keep up with the Joneses. You're no longer run, running the rat race. You're no longer always missing something. You're no longer just frantic with running around. Righteousness and peace have kissed. And the work, uh, Isaiah 32, verse 17, says the work of righteousness shall be peace and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. One definition of peace comes from this Greek word, uh, it means exemption from the rage and havoc of war. Harmony. Praise the Lord. Chapter 5, verse 2. Through whom, through Jesus Christ, we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Notice this two very important principles here. We have access by faith into this grace. Okay, grace is this favor and ability and comfort and place that you live your life from. Grace is this encompassing uh, presence of God. With favor, he will encompass you like a shield. Grace is this bubble. You can say we live in a grace bubble. But the way you get into the grace bubble is by faith. Grace is what allows you to work uh, in the skill that you have. Grace is what allows you to flourish in the things of God. Grace is, uh, sometimes it's a special grace for you. What, what gift do you function in? That's grace. Grace is the word. Charis means gift. What gift from God that you did not earn is yours. That's good. But how did you get that? You got it by faith. So we need grace in life in order to handle problems, in order to overcome, et cetera, et cetera. But you can't have it without faith. You must believe a truth of God in order to get this grace. To have the grace of eternal life, the gift of eternal life, you have to believe in Jesus Christ. To have the grace of peace and safety, you must believe a promise of God for it. Make sense? 
It's almost like we could say uh, grace is the plane that you ride in to your destiny. And it's got air conditioning. And it's peaceful if you have a first-class ticket. But faith is the ticket that lets you on the plane. Make sense? You need faith to get the grace. If you need, uh, sometimes people are looking for, what do I do next, God? Uh, I just feel like I'm stuck. Uh, I need to be able to do something. I need to do this better. I need a job. Okay, okay. To get grace, you're going to have to believe God. To, to find a new place of favor and power, you're going to have to believe first and take a step of faith. Make sense? Uh, when I left my career, I remember I, I was a little frustrated, didn't know what to do, a little uncertain, a little lost. And, and then I heard from God that it was time to leave my job. I'm still in this place. I finally heard from God. Uh, I knew the next step of my life. And, uh, but I had to take a step of faith before I got the grace. And here was the difference. I knew from God what to do. That's faith. That's believing. Now I've got to act on that faith. And so I'm walking down the hall to go tell my manager, I have to leave my job. I just knew I was just focused on this belief in what God told me to do. I'm walking. Not everybody has to leave your job. It's just my example, my story. And I go tell my boss I'm leaving. And I walked out of that room different. I was in a grace bubble. I had something extra. I had something different than when I went in. I had this thing called grace. I was floating down the hallway. I remember it was, a, it was a wonderful feeling. I knew I had believed God. I knew I had acted on my belief and I knew something was different. It's one thing to know God's will. It's another to do God's will. For you, it could be disconnecting from a relationship. You know what you should do. If you'll do it with all your heart, you'll feel so wonderful after. Or it could be job. It could be a There's a hundred things. Whatever your life is dealing with, to get grace, you have to obey by faith. You have to hear and believe, and you have to execute. And their obedience is part of acting on your faith. It makes sense? When Joni and I, uh, we got married and, and praying and, and realized we're supposed to start a church. We've got to start a work here in Houston. We're going to start a church. We don't know how to start a church. What should we do? When should we do it? We didn't know anything. And it was like, oh my gosh, we got to start a church. And so we, for a number of days, we, 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 we knew that we we're supposed to start a church. We, we talked about it. Um, didn't have any date planned necessarily. And, and, and finally it was like, wait a second, wait a second. Are we really starting a church? Yeah, we, we really have to start a church. So, so one of us started saying it out loud. Hey, hey, honey, we're starting a church. It felt so good to say it. And then, yeah, that's right. We're starting a church. About two days of that, we had the grace of God. I remember the difference. It was from knowing God's will, believing God's will, and then triggering it with a little faith, just a couple declarations of promise. We're starting a church. God said to start a church. We're starting a church. Bam, we had the grace of God. It was almost like we, we hopped on a train, zoom, we're off. Now we're planning, now we got the date coming, now we got money coming. I mean, until we decided we're doing it, there was no money, there was no plan, there was no date, there was no grace. The principle of God is to get grace, you must have faith. And I'm not talking about dead faith, I'm talking about faith that believes God and then acts on that faith. You'll see change whenever you can do that. It could be a written promise for healing. Believe it, now act on it. What... If you believe you're healed by stripes, if you believe that God has heard your prayer, what are you going to do? Amen. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I rebuke this infirmity. Leave me in Jesus' name. Leave me now. That's it. Honey, that's it. 
I just did it, and that's it. It's out. Let's go to the movie. It's out. Glory to God. Just wanted the whole house to know. See, see now, now that's a lot different than let's all pray. See the difference? And then all of a sudden, the next day, I got grace now. I'm on the way. My hope's coming. I, against hope, I believed in hope. Man, it's here. It's just that faith is just this, faith is kind of wild. For, for a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman to get pregnant, it's kind of wild. I wasn't looking at anybody in particular. Hey, if, you, if you're wanting a baby, get wild about it. I'm sure y'all figure that out later. (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) So by by uh, we have access by faith into the grace in which we stand. You're going to have to find a place, you're going to have to get to a place where you stand in grace. And if you're really in grace, you're going to feel comforted, favored, full of life. You'll be happy. You're, you're not going to be sad, worried, troubled, and grumbling. So if you're sad and worried and troubled and grumbling, you're not in grace. That means you don't have any faith. That means you need some support from your friends. It means you need to go to your prayer closet and get with God and get yourself some faith or you're going to suffer like the world suffers. Come on, this is a whole new different way to live. And you're, living in the grace bubble is really is what separates the, the average Christian from the serious one. You've got to fight to stay in your grace bubble. Bad news comes, I'm in the grace bubble. Can't really get me. You, you should be able to handle adversity from your grace bubble. Amen. And we teach this for people that have, you know, you got family emergencies and you're having to deal with a lot of things going on in your family. You better stay in your grace bubble or you'll be worthless to help all the family. And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. If you're really in grace by faith, then you will be able to rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So you're going to have to learn how to rejoice. Okay. You're going to have to learn how to rejoice. Y'all need some practice in rejoicing? If, if you, listen, if you don't know how to rejoice, then you're not developed enough. You need to go to boot camp, learn how to rejoice in hope of the glory of God. If you're in faith and then you're standing in grace, you'll be able to shout when we shout. Glory to God. Church won't be so shocking. Like you won't get mad at people in church anymore for shouting. If you, if you learn how to rejoice, glory to God. You don't have to get that loud, but you, you, know, you, could, you should get a little bit loud at home. Amen. There ought to be a little shouting here and there. Glory to God. We're told to rejoice always. Amen. True faith people are, are rejoicers. Amen. Rejoice, rejoicer. Full of joy, full of rejoicing. Thank, thanking God, grateful to God. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life, you're grateful and thankful and able to rejoice. We sing a song in church, glory to God, sing it. We praise the Lord, it's glory to God. That's why Christians can praise the Lord no matter what's going on. We're commanded to. We're commanded to because life doesn't always go as it's expected. You're commanded to rejoice in the Lord. Giving thanks always. Why are you commanded to do it? Because a lot of things aren't going to go your way in life. You can't just rejoice when things go your way. That's way too easy. 
you being able to rejoice in tribulation is one of the signs of a truly mature Christian. I've got something in me. I'm not going to lose my hope just because of some circumstance went on. In this world, I'm going to have tribulation. I'm just going to overcome it all. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. You're going to learn how to do this. You can't lose your hope just because things went sour. Disappointment will uh, really damage your life. Uh, verse 5, I'm going to skip a couple. We're going to do this next week. I'm about to end. Verse 5, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God's been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which was given to us, who was given to us. Hope does, if you have true Bible hope, it won't disappoint you. But the reality is many people have felt disappointed. They were expecting something from God and it didn't come to pass. And so they're disappointed. But what happened was you didn't really have true Bible hope because it doesn't disappoint. Well, but how come I was disappointed? Okay, let's start over. <laughs> the Bible says hope doesn't disappoint. So what you had wasn't, couldn't be hope because that wouldn't have disappointed you. What you had was wishing. You had uncertain desire coming. So we got to get this straight that real hope does not disappoint. Now, you'll be disappointed in life. You'll be disappointed at the restaurant when you order your steak and it doesn't come out right. You'll be disappointed. I deal with disappointment when I go fishing. I'm expecting to catch fish. I don't always catch fish. That's disappointing. It could be more serious, though. Your dreams didn't come to pass yet. That could be disappointing. But you're going to have to anchor with hope. Don't, don't let go of your hope. Abraham, had to, he was disappointed for 25 years. Disappointed for 20. How long did he have to deal, deal with disappointment? You can't let... You can't let delays or disappointments stop you from getting your desired end. Hope doesn't disappoint. You hang in there. You, you, you go all the way and you hang on as tight as you can to the promise of God. It'll come to pass for you. And you got to work it out in your soul. All that stuff you deal with in your soul, is it going to work? Is it working? What's the delay? You got to fight all of that. You got to get rid of all your staggering and all your wavering and you got to anchor in there and you got to start rejoicing about it. You got to get convinced. And if you're not convinced, go back to the prayer closet. And if you're not convinced still, you go back and you keep going back and you stay with God until you come out fully assured in faith. Because hope's not supposed to disappoint you. Many people have turned away from God because he didn't meet their expectation. Problem is they had a wrong expectation. Problem is they were banking on something without any merit, without any ground under them probably. They didn't understand the Bible. They didn't believe the promise properly. They didn't execute. They didn't have real faith. Something went wrong. It wasn't God. So we can't, we can't keep God as if he's our help, as if he's, uh, we're his. He's not ours. We have to come like a child. He's our father. We're not his father. We're not just telling him what to do and then getting disappointed. We're supposed to come like a child and trust him. And just like a child, the children don't understand how come, you know, it takes 12 hours to drive to vacation. Well, we got to drive so long because there's a good thing coming. Children don't understand why they can't do that and why they have to sit still. Children don't understand they have to trust their father their mother. They have to trust their parents because children don't know. That's part of being a child. You have to trust God. Why is it taking so long? Just trust God. He'll work it all out for you. Amen. But you can't get disappointed. And if you did get disappointed, you can't let that define you. People have tragedies in their life, but you're not supposed to let it define you. You can't keep thinking back on that or you'll revert. It's like, well, a I just remember back when before that thing happened. Stop that. Stop going backwards trying to recreate that. Launch forward and get out of that. You know, people have tragedies and traumas in their life, but you should never be known for that. Well, you know, they, they act out because, you know, they had that thing happen. It's like my dad uh, lost his dad when he's 13 years old. And... Um, but my dad was never defined. My, my dad lived a healthy, wonderful life, achieved, succeeded, did all sorts of stuff, had a great 
life, great attitude, great demeanor. Never let that define him. You almost have to, oh, I forgot all about that. That should have, that's how all your traumas and tragedies should be. You should never be defined by disappointment like that. Amen. Same thing with uh, Joni's dad. He lost his dad at a young age, 13. And never, I mean, he, her dad, wonderful, made it, succeeded. Nobody would have ever known some tragedy had happened. Listen, tragedies happen. We get it. We get it. Tribulation, bad stuff, but you got to overcome it. And you, and you can't go backwards and you can't drag it around. You have to not let disappointment rob you Amen. Or, or pain, disappointment and pain. Same thing. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not fun to think about and do, but you, you got to move on from it. When we got all the hope, we got the God of hope with us. Amen. And if you don't have a hope, a destiny that you're clinging to, man, it's a rough life. People without hope, they will damage themselves. They'll self-damage their own life if they don't have hope. People without hope revert back to the past. You got to have something you're shooting for. Bad habits keep coming back if you don't have hope for the future. Tendencies from the past will show back up in your Christianity if you don't have a hope that you're moving forward in. So don't lose your hope. Well, I've been so beat up, you know. Find a new hope. Find a new friend that has hope. You don't have vision for your life. Find somebody that does and help them. But hope is a, a lack of hope is a real killer. I mean, it'll, it'll just pretty much, you know, wallop you and you'll be left on the couch watching daytime television. <laughs> <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Even come, when it comes to death, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4 uh, that he's writing these things to us, explaining that the rapture is coming, that Jesus is, uh, Jesus is actually coming to get us. Amen. And he says, and I write these things so that you don't sorrow as others which have no hope. Right. If you don't have hope, you're going to sorrow. Right. And that's particularly concerning those that have died. If you don't understand the hope of God and eternal hope of Jesus coming and us being saved and reuniting with believers in the air, Glory. if you don't have a hope for that, you will sorrow at somebody's death. You should never have to go through long seasons of grief. Amen. That's right. And if you recognize that you're grieving uh, longer than a week, a month, a few months, step up and say, wait a second, wait a second. There's no reason for me to sorrow this much. Mm-hmm. I've got a life to live, a life that I'm going to be accountable to God for. So I can't keep looking at all my losses. You've got you to find a way. And it's not always easy. I understand that. You've got to find a way to, to find some scripture where God will hold your hand out of your grief. Because we're not supposed to sorrow like others who don't have hope. So if you don't have hope, you're going to sorrow, whether it's for death or other things. You're going to sorrow if you don't have hope. So I want you to have some hope. Children need some hope. Teenagers need some hope. Okay, this world is really kind of stealing all their hopes. Really is. This, This culture is stealing their hopes. Knowing the evils of society is stealing their hope. Knowing all the corruption in the world and the government is stealing their hope. Seeing how people treat one another is stealing children's hope. And so we have to battle that with planting hope, planting seed, planting seed, telling the kids how wonderful life can be and how walking with God is, is, and showing them how beautiful things are with God. Yes. Parents have a lot of work to do. Church has a lot of work to do in helping children and teenagers have hope. So many are losing hope and they're hurting themselves. That's why they're doing the cutting. That's why they're dealing with suicide thoughts more than ever before. They've lost hope somehow. So we've got to, we've got to do something to help them. We have some other ideas to help them. Protect them from a lot of the media stuff somehow. It's not easy. But hope is a very powerful force. Abraham had it. And that's why we're all here today. That's why all the people in the Bible are written in there is because they did something, because they had a destiny that they believed God in. You, each one of you have a destiny. And that is today's your destiny and next week, and maybe it's something unique. Maybe it's something notable, or maybe it's just to be a a better person. Your destiny is to be a wonderful person. 
be the, the most loving person in your whole family group. That's a destiny. Amen. Why don't you just be the most loving Christian in the whole wide world? Why don't you be the best employee? Why don't you be the brightest employee at work? I don't mean the brightest up here. We, we can't help that sometimes. Why don't you be the shining brightest Christian that the world has ever seen? There's a goal. There's a hope. How many of you want to be better Christians? That's a hope. That's a hope. That's a destiny. That's a goal. That's what you want. That's a desire. So head that direction. Don't, don't let go of it. How many of you want to be lukewarm and backslidden? In or, listen, in order, in order not to be lukewarm and backslidden, you need a hope to be a bright Christian. Amen. You need a desire to be an example of Christ. That's hope for you. Praise the Lord. All right. Thank you for joining Pastors Chaz and Joni today from Houston Faith Church. If you're looking for a good home church in Houston, Texas, we'd like to invite you to be our guest anytime. What you'll find is the Houston Faith Church is highly committed to the Word of God, the love of God, and the Spirit-filled life and ministry that Jesus expects. We know that everyone wants to make a difference in this life and that the great commission of the Lord Jesus Christ is the main thing for all of us. You'll find your purpose here and grow strong in faith at Houston Faith Church. Find more faith-building resources on our YouTube channel or subscribe to our free audio podcast. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon.